And around this time we're reading around the third question. What vision of healing and liberation does the text call forth? Now Paul stood in the center of the Oropagus and said, Athenians, I see everything in everything how devout you are. For passing through and regarding objects of your worship, I found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you all worship is unknown. This is what I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, the one who is sovereign of heaven and earth, does not live in hands. Neither is God served by human hands because, because of needing anything, since God gives to all life and breath and all things. From one person, God made all nations, all persons, women, men, and children to inhabit the face of the earth, and God ordered seasons and the boundaries of their inhabitation, that they would search for God and perhaps reach for God and find God. Yet indeed, God is not far away from any one of us. For in God we live and move and have our, our being. Just as some of your own poets have said, for we too are the offspring of God. Since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of that the divine is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the craft and creativity of women and men. At one time, God overlooked ignorance. Now God commands all women and men everywhere to repent. For God has fixed a day on which God intends to judge the world in righteousness through a man whom God has appointed, giving assurance to all by raising him from the dead. They heard of the resurrection of the dead, and some scoffed, and yet others said, We'll hear you again about this. Thus Paul left from their midst. Now some joined him, believing, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, as well as others with him. What is the vision of healing and liberation? The text calls forth. A few more moments. So I'm curious, um, something particularly striking, uh, jump out to you in any of these three questions. So we can, you can respond to one of the three, or if there was a theme, uh, or something in the general reading, Let's share with one another what came out for us. Oh, microphone. I'm just going to say, I like how he um, 
starts from where they are and mm. sees an unknown God and kind of joins in their conversation, but, you know, then tells the story yeah. based on where they're coming from. Yeah. Or questions they have. Yeah. I was struck in the first one, the conflict or change in the text, or, uh, and I don't know if this exactly fits, but I've always heard that text is like Paul doing really savvy evangelism. Like there's something wrong with these people. And so he's got to find the thing. But this is in the reading of the text. The conflict was actually how I heard the text growing up. Um, that I heard the text from this posture. Paul isn't coming at it from that angle. He's actually identifying the goodness that's in them and that exists, which is just a different posture. I was thinking about how this story seems to critique or offer some, some poke at both the like secular materialist and the religious, um, to the, uh, kind of the materialist, not like I love to shop materialist, but this, this physical reality is all there there is materialist you know that there is a a creator a god who's sovereign who is closer than we think in whose image we're made but also to the religious like i was really struck that i mean he's kind of to the extent that god does not dwell in temples made by human hands. He's critiquing Judaism. He's yeah. critiquing, yeah. uh, uh, any, any religion that would think to have a monopoly on God, uh, yeah. to have a corner on God that somehow what, what he's describing transcends the, the constructs are human constructs for getting at understanding relating to God. Yeah. Thanks, Charles. I didn't click it. Okay. Um, man, I, this text is having a lot of um, focus challenge for me because I've been uh, reviewing a book that we might publish, which I'm actually recommending not. Uh, not that it was a bad book, but um, the author brought up something that this kind of kind of jumped out at me. And it's something you kind of know, but you just don't think about when you're talking, going to background of the gods of the Greeks and the Romans is that they're all under, they're not gods the way we think of God. They are controlled by something beyond them, you know, be it the fates, be it any kind of thing. And, and Paul is actually kind of, and doesn't, he doesn't comment on this text, but it just kind of fits it. You know, Paul is actually bringing about something that's totally a complete different mindset. You know, this is not, this is not those kind of gods. You know, mm-hmm. this is something beyond even the foundation of, of other gods. You know, you think of, you know, Thor and Ragnarok and all that. Those, you know, those things, they're, they're controlled by forces outside themselves. So this is a God that mm-hmm. we are so close to because 
it's not like we go to him because mm-hmm. we're already in the middle of him. He's surrounding mm-hmm. us, you know. Um, and I guess that's one thing that just kind of jumped out to me. The turning of it for me, um, is the suggestion that God, while he's not in the image of gold and silver and all of that, and he's not in some far off place controlling things by puppet strings, but that he's actually still imaged physically in Jesus and the resurrection and where they begin to really, the conflict that I saw was where they began to scoff at this whole idea that, that God can be human at the same time, you know, that, that whole in, in resurrection, that, that whole thing just kind of uh, goes against the grain. Hmm. But for me, it's more along what really got me was what Charles was saying, the critique, the, NRSV, I was following along with NRSV, and it words it, it's not the word, but I think it fits almost paraphrase, in a paraphrase. It says, I see how spiritual you are. Mm. And that describes us. I mean, it describes the U.S., it describes our culture. Everybody's into spirituality. I mean, we're spiritual. I may, I may be an atheist, but I'm still spiritual, you know, or I may be agnostic, but I'm still connected with the spirit, you know, yeah. some spiritual aspect of my life. And this is kind of like, there's a heck of a lot more to this than you really realize. Yeah. And so, and that knocks all of us, including Christians on that. Well, that's, that's just kind of part of the stream of consciousness. <laughs> that's kind of how my week's been. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. Other thoughts? Sure. Oh, come on, share it. Don't make me talk. No. I was thinking about the, uh, the vision of healing and liberation question and, uh, what, what, what feels like good news in this story to me is first, God's, uh, immediacy. I love, well, and that he, Ben, to your point, that he, he quotes their own poets, not to critique them, but to agree with them. Yeah. Uh, that we live and move and have our being in God and that we're, we're God's offspring that, that we are connected to and that God is if we live and move and have our being in God that God you know God's closer than we think uh also good news to me uh is um the idea of a reckoning and that language of righteousness I think is thank you sir uh that language of righteousness I think is related to what we would think about not as like personal piety but as justice and wholeness and shalom that that w- what God is working toward in the world is to um, restore and renew and heal the dumpster fire mm. uh, and then and maybe the, I guess that's related to the third about the um, the the resurrection language that 
um, the earth is being renewed and humanity is and will be renewed with it because we see, we see the future poking its head into the present through this man that God has appointed to bring justice and resurrection. Gonna have to hit the button real quick because we have to leave. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, you just want to do it now. It's a a departure. It's gonna be a drop. Yeah, a drop mic. I'm gonna say something. Good. Thank you. (laughs) Um, One of my stations on my car is to an Austin station, right? Because it's just when I'm down there, I have a station. But here it is connected to um, KCBI or something, one of the local evangelical Christian stations, right? It's the same number. So as I'm flipping stations this morning, one of our local renowned um, mega preachers in the downtown area that we might all know um, was on the radio. And, of course, like a train wreck, I stopped for a second and listened. And so um, I may forget what I'm going to say here, but he, uh, he was talking about, evangelism, I guess, and how anyone who can't find God or doesn't know God basically just doesn't want to, uh, right? Um, all the, it's so, looking. I, is it looking? Yeah, is it looking? And of course, I'm cynical at everything he says, so I'm picking apart everything. Yeah. But what I hear from him is that you're just not looking if you can't find God, right? Um, and it's just, he's made it so plain and everything's so obvious. And, and what I see Paul in this is, he said, I, like you said earlier, he, he sees the good. You're looking, you're spiritual. I've, I've got something to add to this conversation yeah, yeah. that I think, you know, is a better way or the way, whatever. Um, and I just found it strikingly different than what I heard on the radio a few minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. Just, just because when you said that, the NRSV says, even though we stumble yes. around, I yes. love that I, wording of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, you're searching, you're, you're stumbling, yes. and, but it's, it wasn't a critique. It yes. wasn't saying shame on you. You know, Perhaps fumble about fumble. Yeah. Mm. That's good. And we really do have to go. Okay. So Bye Ballard. No apologies needed. Love y'all. Be well, be safe. Come and get it. I'm sorry. I should have been up <laughs> Definitely her daughter's or her mother's daughter. For sure. Thank you, Jamie. Um, so last night I took Chloe to see Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, um, the movie, which uh, was like a real um, <clears throat> epic coming-of-age book for me when I was younger. Um, Judy Bloom and mm-hmm. wound up being, you know, taken out of schools many times, and I don't know if it's back or not, but um, I had, like, such high hopes for the movie. It's the kind of thing where you're like, there's no way this is going to live up to the meaning this book had to me when I was a teenager. Um, and it was everything and more. I mean, it was just really perfect. Um, I think it has like 95% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. And mm. it was like, this is fantastic. Anyways, the premise of the book, if you haven't read it, is that Margaret is growing up in 1970 and her mother grew up Christian and her dad grew up Jewish. And when they got married, um, neither of their families liked it. And so they decided that Margaret would be nothing until she was old enough to choose for herself. 
And so Margaret has grown up very confused by all the different tradition. Her family does nothing, but her friends at school, you know, go to temple or they go to church or they go to confession. And, and so Margaret every morning looks in the mirror and says, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And is asking God all these questions and like, who are you? What's the right thing to be? How do I know if this is right or wrong? Um, you know, and just that kind of becomes her guidepost. She writes it in her journal, starts every journal entry. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And, um, you know, and kind of goes through this ups and downs of when things go wrong. She's like, I guess you aren't there. And then when things go right, I guess you are there. Um, kind of thing and, and sees her in her grandparents in laws arguing constantly over whether she should be Jewish or Christian and continually undermining the parents' choices, which I was like, if that's not the most real thing, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, but in the end, Margaret has gone to temple with her grandparents and she goes to Christmas Eve service with friends and she goes to confession at a Catholic church with a friend. And she has a moment where she says um, to her bathroom mirror, God, how do I only really feel you when I'm alone? And, um, you know, and she goes on to, you hope she's going to find her way to more than that. But just this sense of like, um, you know, there's all these idols and all these um, different stumbling about and the idea that God is present. Um, maybe most, maybe it doesn't matter to put a rating on it. Um throughout many traditions and practices, even as we fumble around and we aren't sure what we're worshiping or even as I'm listening to all this, I'm just thinking, how do I even disentangle this scripture from the way that I heard it growing up and like make it mean something to me now? Um, and I just like, Oh my gosh, I'm like Margaret in her bathroom. Um, and at the same time, like feel at peace with that of like, even, even if it's an unknown sense of God, um, there's still something really peace and life giving that, that that can be where God is found, even as I'm trying to like, mm-hmm. um, and I find healing in that, I guess, and liberation of, oh my gosh, what if I'm not worshiping the right God? What if I'm not reading the scripture correctly or like it should have been interpreted in this version or this version? Um, but that it's healing to know that like God is with us even when we feel alone or when we're not sure what mm-hmm. we're reading. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Uh, A vision of healing and liberation, like thinking of the liberation that comes uh, from God being near to all and everyone having their being in God releases those who feel like they have the burden to convert folks. Like they, they belong to God and our job isn't to get them closer. God's already near. Um, what just, just what a remarkably different posture that is to the world and our neighbors and thinking of all the trauma <laughs> that's happened to folks who've received something different where I as the Christian and the one who is close, you are the one who is far away. Uh, 
let me let me use the things that you feel like are divine or connected as a bait and switch to get you in. God actually doesn't like you. Um, you're actually really far. Like it's such a different posture and it just feels, it's so hopeful, um, to believe and trust. Uh, I, I do this, do this blessing once a quarter for at our all campus meetings. And in there, I have a line that says, you are God's beloved child. There's nothing you've ever done, are doing, or will do that can separate you from that great love, from this great love. And I have a colleague who doesn't like it and who tells me it because she wants to advocate what happens. I mean, sin separates us. I think the stuff that we do, um, I just say every time, I was like, I, I could not disagree more. I just don't think it, there's anything we could do. That could separate us from the love of God. And I kind of have a Bible verse to back me up. So, yeah, it's got to be quick, though. That just reminds me, if you've not seen it, The Gospel in Chairs by Brian Zahn on YouTube. Oh, Oh, you must watch it. It's a 15-minute. I'm not going to go into it. But how God keeps pursuing us as we turn our back, but God turns around and comes back and faces us. You know, it says we're the ones running away. But God, no, no. You know, he comes back and faces us. He's he's not turning away from us. Um, The thing that gives me hope in all of this is the posture of those who are listening to Paul as well. Yeah. Throughout, you don't see that until the resurrection where they begin to scoff. But even then, there, there are because it, it was a trial. This wasn't, this wasn't, yeah. oh, hey, tell us a little bit about what you believe. They were putting them on trial there, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, but the fact that nothing came of that, there seemed to be a respectful mm-hmm. attitude throughout the whole thing. He had the respect. They had the respect. And that, to me, that is a, uh, they were agreeing, I think, with that in him we may live and move. And that at least you didn't see the strong disagreement yeah. uh, on right. that. Thanks. Were you going to say something, Jim? Okay. Uh, one more reading. Uh, what is the text calling you to pay attention to in yourself and more fully support this resistance and vision? Can I get one last volunteer? can read it if not. Now. (laughs) Now, Paul stood in the center of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see in everything how devout you are. For passing through and regarding objects of your worship, I found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you all worship as unknown, this is what I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, the one who is sovereign of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by human hands. Neither is God served by human hands because of needing anything, since God gives life to all things, uh, gives to all life and breath in all things. God gives to all life and breath and all things. From one person, God made all nations, all persons, women, men, and children, to inhabit the face of the earth. And God ordered seasons and the boundaries of their inhabitation that they would search for God. 
and perhaps reach for God and find God. Yet indeed, God is not far away from any one of us. For in God we live and move and have our being, just as some among your poets have said, for we too are the offspring of God. Since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the craft and creativity of women and men. At one time God overlooked ignorance. Now God commands all women and men everywhere to repent. For God has fixed a day on which God intends to judge the world in righteousness through a man whom God has appointed, giving assurance to all by raising him from the dead. They heard the resur- they heard of the resurrection of the dead, and some scoffed, yet others said, We will hear you again about this. Thus Paul left from their midst. Now some joined him, believing, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, as well as others with him. What is the text? What is the text calling you to pay attention to in yourself? Or whatever the rest of the sentence. There's a big glare. I can't read it from here to more fully support this resistance. Take a few moments. What comes up for you in this be still, reflecting on what this text might be calling you to pay attention to in yourself, more fully support this resistance and this vision? feel like I'm talking too much. Um, for me, it's literally be still and to accept the embrace of God. Um, that phrase, I don't know why that phrase is not caught on more in discussions of this text. In him, we move and live and have a yeah. very being. It's not pantheism. God isn't in everything. Everything is in God. Yeah. Yeah. And 
for us, I think, for me, just to be still, just to recognize that I am in the embrace of God and to accept that. That's great. Thanks, Daryl. And that's quoting some secular poet of the time. Pagans. Bunch of heathens. I don't think this answers the question that I've asked you to reflect on what the process does. Uh, but I connected, uh, the, uh, idol to an unknown God, uh, to a conversation, uh, we had as a family not long ago. I can't remember. We were talking about like where we stand in faith or something. And it was just super casual. And Aiden said, I believe in a thing. I just don't know what the thing is. Uh, right? Isn't that great? Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, that came to mind today. And that just brings me, just brings me, I don't know, hope. Not that I feel hopeless. You know what I mean. It's those two, these two things connected to that moment. Anyone else? Thank you, Ben. We're trying to put out a fire. Uh, Ryan, could you go a lot back to the? Oh no, I have it right here. Could you go back to the last slide of the scripture? Okay, I missed that. Um, hmm. uh, so, I guess I'm I'm taking away. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a common one, I guess, for me. I'm, I'm vocationally, I have some, like, interest in, uh, the kind of conversations and work that Paul is doing in this story. And my, my evangelical and fundamentalist training about evangelism and mission that is baked in real deep uh leads me to uh want to overfunction 
in the world mm. or be codependent or, you know, take more responsibility than it's mine to take. And I, oh, I'm just, I'm called back again to releasing outcomes and finding myself with Daryl in, in God, participating, letting God do what God does and wants to do. Um, and I, I, what I was noticing was, you know, Paul has this conversation with him and then he leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and there's stuff that happens after Paul leaves. Um, even in, in his wake, like he, uh, yeah. Um, Paul is the center, you know, in the middle of this story, but also he's not the middle of the story for the Athenians. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, some liberation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for me to, to chill and, cool. um, enjoy it rather than trying to overfunction and control it. That's good. I, uh, I noticed in a previous reading, it connects to this that, uh, for God has fixed a day on which God intends to judge the world in righteousness through a man. Oh, keep going. Stay where you were. Uh, through a man whom God has appointed, giving assurance to all by raising him from the dead. It doesn't say giving assurance to all of those who believe in him. Uh, I was just struck by the, the, the universalism of it. Not that I'll make a case for it, but just that this thinking of the, it's not our outcome to worry about. Yeah. Um yeah, and the the raising was and is and will be the thing that God does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the gift of another day. Be gathered in this space uh, with one another to listen to your spirit among us through the words of scripture, the word made flesh in your son, Jesus, and through um, uh, the flesh of our own bodies and experiences. And we give thanks for this. May you grant us an abundance of your presence uh, so that we might experience uh we do, in fact, um, live and move and find our being in you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and gift of open hearts, the ways in which you're moving among us and in our neighbors and in our places of work. Um, trusting that you are near to all. Um, We give thanks for these things. Uh, Pray for your spirit and your peace, your presence and your love to be with us all. Through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, world without end, we pray. Amen.